0: Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus in the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Talk underscore Tomahawk, and you can call into the show at 850 850- 644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Tonight's Tomahawk Talk is brought to you by Campus Phone Repair. Campus Phone Repair specializes in the repair of mobile devices such as cell phones, tablets, and computers. They not only repair bro- broken screens, faulty batteries, liquid damage, and more, but also carry a wide variety of mobile accessories such as screen protectors, cases, chargers, and headphones. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and on Sundays, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Campus Film Repair is located at 1525 West Tennessee Street and can be reached at 850-765-3678. Campus Film Repair. More than just a fix. More, than just a, More fix. than just a fix, but you know what else is broken, Chris, and probably needs fixing. Uh-oh, what's that? Uh, Kyle Lowry's jump shot, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 0 for 7, uh, in uh, <laughs> the first round matchup against the uh, the Magic. But we'll get into all of that tonight. Welcome to Tom Hawk Talk, everyone, and we are here to ask the hard-hitting questions, such as, could Michigan State make their new alternate jerseys any uglier?
1: That's Did- a hard no. Yeah, <laughs> looking I, at that, it looks like they already threw up on me.
0: Yeah, I I kind of got some like Green Lantern vibes almost, and we Did all you? know how bad that Ryan Reynolds I movie even was. I think Ryan
1: Reynolds would, would have something to say. About yeah,
0: <laughs> just just a bad look. Bad. I I don't I don't know who their designer was for those jerseys. Maybe it was I don't know. Maybe it was like a student run competition. You know how some universities do that. I don't know the history. I don't know the don't of, know. of the competition or if there was a competition at all. But those jerseys, it's just no, really it's not, bad. Um, and that's coming from a university in which every time that Florida State wears the black jerseys, bad things happen to us. But <laughs> with that being said, all kidding aside, we have a jam packed show for you all tonight, mostly basketball, as the NBA playoffs are just beginning. Our first impressions on the first games of each collective series Florida State baseball has turned iron tasting kind of tab water into wine this past weekend against number 16 Rank Clemson. Does this mean that the Seminoles are back? And much more. We have a lot to chop through. Let's get right into it. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. How are you doing, bud? I'm it, doing it, well. In a, in a, in a chair <laughs> little... that doesn't appear to be too comfortable.
1: He a little lower from down here. I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell you that much.
0: But... I, I know it's hard to convey things over... The, the the sound of radio but he I'm is sitting si- on a step stool yes <laughs> for those who are listening. um and and chris is always already kind of a, a shorter individual <laughs> thank you for, for yeah, but five nine. it's not that bad it's not that bad but uh the, the step stool NXT, it, it stands out the best. step <laughs> the <laughs> step stool does not help uh <laughs> and joining us tonight austin reynolds always good to have you on the show were you surprised by the outcome of the national championship game last monday night
2: I was surprised by how close it was. Honestly, I just assumed that Texas Tech would not necessarily roll over and die, but I assumed that Virginia would uh, would win pretty comfortably. It did go to overtime, which was shocking. It kept me up a lot later than I was expecting to stay up, but. Uh, I was happy to see Virginia take it home. Nick, I I went to bed as
1: soon as as
0: I got back. Oh, I'm sure that you did. (laughs) I'm sure that you did, Mr. Baseball Guy. And uh, to his right, (laughs) or to his left, rather, Dakota Gear, or as he is known now, Dakota the Fear Gear. uh, I always (laughs) have to get some UFC comments uh, from you to start off the show. Whenever you're on, how are you feeling about this past weekend?
3: Oh, I'm feeling great. There There were a couple very good fights. Poirier caved Max Holloway's face in to catch that interim lightweight belt. And it appears in the words of Daniel Cormier, which he so eloquently used after the fight, get yourself together, young man. We have a title to fight for, directed at Khabib. Khabib responded on Twitter, so it like they'll meet up in September soon.
0: Looking like a meetup in September sounds good to me. And making her Tomahawk Talk debut, Miss Courtney Korosek, be ready for Tomahawk Nation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. The the mic. There we go. Thank you. Uh, and, of course, uh, she. what was it? in the ba- the baseball game right baseball just game. just say hey you want to come on the show and just sure always yeah. happy to get more always always in. happy to get the the, the the um excuse me the diversity uh on Courtney, the show how are
4: you
1: doing how are you feeling?
4: i'm great you know i've had a great week i went to wade's last game in miami last week that was fun uh fsu baseball sweeps clemson mm-hmm. can't really get much better than that and can, then a tiger you, win
1: can you describe the environment
0: yeah i'm just oh wondering about the energy
4: game. it was amazing like I cried obviously (laughs) i don't know if y'all saw the video but an fsu grad made the wade's last video really um and i cried like a baby
0: (laughs) chris camacho austin reynolds dakota gear Courtney Korosek and once again I'm your host Nick Carlisle and we are starting off the top which if you didn't already know is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, rip the top stories and ask our panel about them forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show and tonight it's being already called the greatest comeback in the history of sports. Tiger Woods wins his first major in 11 years winning the Masters this past weekend, shooting a 69 and finishing at 13 under overall. Uh, after all the back surgeries after all the public affairs Tiger wins his fifth green jacket and 15 major overall guys short and sweet to the point is this indeed in your opinion the greatest sports comeback of all time Chris uh,
1: I don't know that it's the great like it depends on the sport but I think it is certainly an amazing comeback you know to not win a major in four, in no, I'm sorry 11 years and then to do it 11 years later I think that's it speaks well to the to the determination and you know what Tiger has done and, and I think a lot of people were rooting for him because of all that he's done for the game of golf
0: Austin what do you think
2: I think it's certainly in the conversation I don't have the decades of sports knowledge about these kind of comebacks that some analysts do have but to come back from like Chris said the 11 year gap between majors the 14 I believe your gap between specifically masters wins multitude of back surgeries and other injuries it's a great comeback story and you can't help but like it
0: Dakota
3: and if we remember correctly, I believe it was about 24 months ago, he was complaining about possibly not being able to play with his kids. So definitely up there, but I have to say with Chris, it also depends on the sport. I mean, if you cue the internet up, I'm pretty sure a lot of 3-1 memes will be f- thrown your way.
2: <laughs> as well they should. Uh,
0: but I guess that bring, also brings into the conversation an individual comeback versus a collective comeback as in a team or whatever. Courtney, what do you, what do you think?
4: Um, I mean, I definitely didn't think Tiger was going to win a, ma- a Masters again. I just didn't. Um, so I think it definitely is in the conversation for one of the greatest comebacks of all time. And, I mean, America was rooting for him. That's what is so amazing about his comeback is everybody really was rooting for Tiger and wanted him to complete the comeback, and that's what happened. So.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to something we were talking about before the show is like when what's good for Tiger is what's good for golf as well. I, I think, Courtney, you mentioned – that tea times were were filling up now because of that and it 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 speaks to the impact of what he's done for the sport
0: absolutely and i what i've been thinking about this all day because i knew this is what i wanted to talk about for off the top Mm -hmm. i knew that this is what the majority of the people wanted to know um especially when it comes to all your 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 monday sports shows what does everybody think about tiger what does everybody think about tiger Uh, is this uh, is this indeed the uh, greatest comeback of all time in sports and for me, I, I've toiled with the answer, and the answer is not yet. I think there is a lot of emotion packed into this that are making people say this this is the greatest comeback of all time. But, I mean, people were rooting for Tiger, as Courtney said. But, I mean, Tiger was really just a couple of non-mistakes away from a couple of other opponents. A couple of waters that didn't go into the water. <laughs> or balls that went into the water, rather. Um, those were a couple of mistakes away that wouldn't have happened from just not winning this at all, and everybody would have been in the same position that they've been with Tiger for the past however many years. He's like, well, he's getting there, he's getting there, but he's not back there yet. And just seeing the raw emotion of, you know, talking with his caddy, hugging his kids, there's a lot of emotion that uh, America is caught up in when it comes to this victory for Tiger. I'd say this is definitely one of the better sports stories that you will ever see when it comes to somebody facing a lot of adversity and overcoming that adversity. I think that this is a poster child story for that. But is it the greatest comeback in sports history? Not yet. I'd like to see him win another one before you can say, okay, Tiger is back. back. Because there's a difference between being back and then just, you know, getting a win. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't see many, you know, 3-0 series in basketball Does, where the, the, the other team gets a, one, like a the, the win on the road right. to make a 3-1. It's not like they're back. They just won a game.
1: Now, let me throw this out there. Does Tiger quit while he's ahead? Or does uh, he go for another
0: one? Well, I think you'd have to go for another one at this point. You say, "Well, I I was so determined. I finally got back to this point. How can I stop myself and quit now?" I don't. I don't think that there, especially in all sports, there's no true situation in which people go out on top. You talk about Dwayne Wade. We were talking about him just a couple minutes ago. He didn't go out on top. His teams are out, his teams oh, out no, of the playoffs. David
1: Ross left as soon as he got that championship win yeah. in Chicago. He was like, "That's it, ESPN. I'm in the booth.
0: Let's well- go." <laughs> Uh well that that is a fair counterpoint. <laughs> uh and that was the off the top segment sponsored by me brought to you by me sp- or answered by our panel. So a kind of a slow week in Florida State sports. Um softball was having some trouble with Louisville the past weekend not this weekend but the weekend before that we didn't necessarily get a chance to talk about that they dropped that series. Um
1: the first, if I'm not mistaken it's coach Alameda's first lost series in 52 very long time yes in a long time
0: a very very long time but i think by far some of the biggest news to come out of last week was the news that um deondo cabangeli would be declaring for the nba draft it's it was a move that i kind of foresaw uh i wasn't going to be horribly surprised if it happened obviously it didn't end up happening but um (laughs) to to echo the sentiment of my mother in my various childhood activities i'm not mad i'm disappointed chris is that kind of how you feel about the situation too
1: i don't know that it's hard to be disappointed because at the in the same vein you can't blame the guy either he has shown to be an amazing and incredibly valuable piece on this florida state team um, I think maybe he could have used another year as, as valuable as he's been as valuable. I, I mean, he was what the ACC sixth man of the year, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I I I, I don't see why he shouldn't take that step forward. I, I guess it would have just been nice to see him come back, maybe get one more year under his belt. But at the same time, like that's less money that he, that he could be making.
0: Courtney, do you agree with that?
4: I mean i would have loved to have him for one more season and see how much he developed his ceiling is so high so i would love for him to have one more season with fsu but i mean you can't blame him he already went the prep school route so he's 21. he's you know he's ready to make some money and i don't blame him
0: austin how are you feeling about the situation this is kind of one that as a florida state fan you kind of have to take on the chin and say well um next season now can doesn't considerably look as good as it was going to
2: for sure i mean anytime that you lose your your leading scorer it's going to be a rough season the next the next season you go into but i mean Gelly's stock is at an all-time high and who knows what could have happened next season if he did stay with fsu so i commend the guy for taking his chance uh declaring for the draft and i believe some outlets are projecting him to be like a late first round early second round pick so that's a great prospect for him
0: do you Dakota? Do you think that this was too soon for Cabiglie? You know, we everybody has collectively said we'd like to see Gelly stay on another year. Kind of maybe fine a uh, time. Uh, excuse me, um, fine tune his jump shot just a little bit more. Do you think that he should have taken that year of eligibility?
3: I do feel like, from the position of the NBA draft and such, he is a bit raw as a prospect, and maybe could have been helped and maybe fine tune his game as you were saying if he had stayed another year, but. He did really well for us, and as my co-host and panelist alluded to just a bit earlier, he's in that late first, early second round range, and we've seen recent FSU graduates, you know, not just Jonathan Isaac do well in that later area. Jonathan Isaac was drafted much higher, but for instance, we have Malik Beasley, who just this weekend was playing very important rotational minutes for a two seed out in the West, the Denver Nuggets, Mm -hmm. and scoring consistently for them and being a good option for them. So I can't fault him for going out, especially when he's in that range, and he could be picked up. When you're in that range, you're not going to be picked up most likely by a lottery team. You're actually probably going to be picked up on a veteran-laden team, which actually may help your development. So...
0: Do you do you think that would help Cabin Gelly, Chris, I'm saying what Dakota just said, seeing that maybe he's going to fall to a team in anywhere from the 25 to the 30 range and easily into uh, the second round. Do you think that he has a, a spot on a roster if he gets drafted that late?
1: If he gets drafted that late, I I, I don't know that there is room. I, I could see him going the route that, you know, I, I know Jonathan Isaac, as, as Dakota mentioned, went that route as well. You know, he'll spend some time in the G League, um it just it it depends on what's going on for those teams in the 25 to to 30 range. Um seeing if there are any availability in any, any available spots that open up. I I don't see why in the future he can't make a roster, but I think going into his first year he's going to need to spend some time in the G League.
0: Now, for those of you who are still lamenting over the fact that Cavin Gelly is leaving Florida State there is a tiny tiny sliver of hope for you. Um, If I guess I should start with the good news and the bad news. The good news is that he can return to Florida State uh, per a new rule this past year. Uh, He can return to Florida State if he does not get drafted and he clears out some paperwork with his agent that he signed with. But the bad news is that... He's probably going to get drafted. Um, so but I
1: mean, is it really bad news? Like, I think
0: bad, bad news, uh, bad news taken lightly. Take that, take that phrase with a grain of salt. Uh, Courtney, where do you see Kevin Gelly fitting, uh, on a roster? I know I kind of asked that to Chris, but in terms of his play style, obviously, he attacks the boards with such, well, obviously, in you know, the, uh, the, the spur of, of his, uh, of his uncle. Um, is he is he going to be that kind of player for a team or is he really going to be uh, kind of become that stretch four?
4: I really don't know. Um I think that he has he still has a long way to go. I mean, he's obviously done a great job, but I think his like I said earlier, his ceiling is so high, so I have no way of knowing what he's going to be right now without seeing some more progress.
0: Now, it it's not all bad news for Florida State basketball as they did get a a new recruit or I guess a new transfer. Um over the past couple of days, uh, Raquan Evans is going to be transferring in from North Idaho College, and he did some absolute work. Um, over, the, I'm trying to pull it up right around here. And uh, he did some fa- fantastic things. I think he went, led his team to the NWCA, something like that, a championship. Combo guard, 6'4, 195. He is going to be really, really valuable in terms of helping Trent Forrest, which Trent Forrest, with Kevin Gelly leaving has seemingly vaulted into the spotlight as being that number one guy for Florida state, uh, this upcoming season. Austin, wh- how do you see Evans fitting into the rotation next year?
2: I mean, just based off his average points per game that I'm seeing here on this, this website that I just pulled up, um, <laughs> he, he, he's going to be, a, should be a strong contribution because it's saying here that in tournament play, his last four games of tournament play, um, He was averaging just over 30 points per game, 32.75, somewhere in that range. So if he's able to produce that, like even half of that would be just monumental for this FSU team.
0: And Dakota, since David Nichols is uh, departing as uh, part of the senior class, um, how much does that fact elevate the fact that Florida State was able to get Evans?
3: I think it really speaks to the recruiting of this Florida State team the past couple years because we've had – people go early in the draft consistently actually the past couple years Mm -hmm. and we've been able to replace them not just with early recruits out of high school you know 17 18 year olds but also this is a juco recruit right here we've had transfer recruits as you just spoke to and it really speaks to the ability of this team to reload year in and year out which is not it's not consistently seen across a lot of levels at that NC at that Division One level.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and, and it's a national rank. Uh, they have the 15th uh, currently national-ranked uh, recruiting class for this season, number three in the ACC. I'll give you two guesses as to who the top two are, and your first one's free, <clears throat> Duke <laughs> and uh, North Carolina. Um, <laughs> but with that all being said, uh, Gelly departing is really a huge blow for this team. I don't think anybody's going to deny that, but it's not all bad. There is, some, I guess, some light at the end of the tunnel, even though that that – light at the end of the tunnel is a little bit hazy because there is a whole lot that we have to see from Mr. Evans he's not here yet, but he will be uh, assuming that everything goes according <laughs> to plan and nothing happens um, so it's going it's definitely going to be an interesting interesting year for Florida State basketball next year and I don't know how you'd be able to top this year's team uh, because this year's team was historic uh, history breaking in so many different ways. Um, but it's just going to be interesting to uh, to see Chris. So moving on to uh, Florida State baseball. Last week, we absolutely railed the 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 <laughs> uh, the baseball team. We gave them um, a real a real gut punch in terms of what we were saying about the team, and as terms of to what we were saying beforehand. And it's not like um, backpedaling on opinions. It's more, I think, uh, optimism that the team FSU was going to
1: baseball is changing our mind. Yes, granted one series isn't going to change it entirely. They still have to they still have to continue to produce the way that they did this past weekend. However, we saw some major improvements. The way that the bats were swinging, the the length that the starting pitchers were giving. It it was it was incredible to see this sudden 180 shift in the in this baseball team that's been struggling.
0: So my question to you and and Courtney, you can weigh on this weigh in on this as well. Was it a good week for Florida State baseball or was it a bad week for Clemson?
1: Uh that's a tough one, considering I, I haven't really seen what Clemson has done. I, honestly, you can attribute it to both. I think Florida State did really well pitching against a Clemson team that consistently produces, if I'm not mistaken, Courtney, is it, do they average six runs? Uh, yeah,
4: 6.8 or something like that. 6.8 runs. That's... Their offense is incredible, and it obviously wasn't this right. weekend.
1: And so t- to see, again, going back to the length that Florida State pitching was able to uh, to produce, I think you know the placement was there. Connor Grady uh, – Connor no excuse me no Drew Parish had uh, showed a little more of showed some flashes of what it used to be mm-hmm. uh, which is nice and again it, it's always it's never a bad thing to have against a really good offensive team.
0: And then C.J. Van Eyck went eight innings, which is, I'm pretty sure, the longest outing that anybody on the, the Florida State uh, pitching staff has had this season, right. um, at least by a couple of innings. No, I, I take that back. I think, um, I don't know if it, it was Van Eyck who went seven against Florida, or with whether that was Grady no, or not. No, I believe that was Grady. <laughs> that was, that was great. Grady. Um, but either way, Florida State's uh, pitching came out of whatever hole they dug themselves into. And um, Courtney, you were talking about, uh, or you said prior to the show, how the bats had been changing. And you mentioned something. Elijah Cabell was, what, 2 for 24?
4: He was 0 for 24. 0 for
0: 24 before this past game. How how crucial is he to um, this Florida State offense if he can get things back rolling? Because as we saw, especially with the 16-2 to victory, this, this year's team is very much home run or nothing. Um, and he does have that power. How crucial is it for this team to start making a run that he kind of gets back to form and starts hitting better?
4: Um, I think Cabell has some time. You know, he is a freshman and he's going to make those mistakes. He has some time, but we do need him to get back to what he was. I mean, maybe not as good as he was at the beginning of the year, but somewhere way closer, clearly.
0: Austin, how concerned are you that Florida State has developed this kind of home run or nothing kind of? Play style. I mean, typically uh, a Mike Martin team is very, very disciplined, uh, going to m- make you see a lot of pitches, going to get some walks. And now it's, it, like, as I said, it's strikeout or bust. How concerned are you that this is kind of the, the play style that Florida State has adapted this season?
2: It's definitely one of my biggest concerns with the team because some games you go to are going to be just fireworks, very fun to watch, and some games are going to be just mind-numbingly insane uh, <laughs> on, on either end of the spectrum. Tell so how you really feel. Honestly. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like... <laughs> This is a baseball team that's different from any of the ones that we've seen before, like you mentioned, with the the usual discipline for Mike Martin teams. But I I don't know how confident I am that the team's going to be able to iron out those issues before the matches start counting.
0: Dakota, how do you feel that Florida State pitching is going to do over this uh, the uh, the next couple of games? Are they going to keep things rolling? Their next series, I believe, is Virginia. They start on Thursday, so it's a and it's a three day or excuse me, a, a three-game series. And yeah, it is starting on the Thursday. So it's the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So they're starting a little bit early, uh, earlier on in the week. How do you think that Florida State pitching is going to fare? Are they going to kind of go back to the ways of old, or do you think that this past weekend is really a turning of a new leaf for this pitching staff?
3: I think it will fall somewhere in the middle. Um, they had 19 strikeouts, which was their most in a game for the season this Sunday. So I don't think they'll be repeating that per- type of performance. But I could easily see this bullpen, Connor Grady, ACC Pitcher of the Week, 20 strikeouts, only three hits in, a little over 12 innings. And just Sunday, one hit, no runs, 11 strikeouts in relief. That's the most strikeouts in relief for a since 97. Wow. So this bullpen definitely has the talent and potential to keep up what, the, what they started in this Clemson series. They just have to limit the errors limit the boneheaded mistakes and like you said play like earlier Mike Martin teams more disciplined and that will help both on offense and on defense I
1: I think a big key to this is is keeping the momentum rolling and that's one of the things that that 11 talked about in his press conference on Saturday he said he really wishes there was a game on Tuesday or Wednesday granted I, I understand that the series starts a little like a day earlier but considering the importance and the significance of of, of a of a series sweep, again against a, a really good Clemson team, uh, you want to keep the you want to keep the train rolling, you know, like you you want to limit the breaks, you you want to keep you want to throw them back out there so that they can continue to work and they can continue, uh, yeah, just busting it out.
0: Now, uh, this team is, I guess. I don't want to say in a predicament because it's not so much a predicament, but we've been talking over the weekend, Chris, that this team is going to have to win, and I think it was tweeted out on the on the, on the Twitter uh, account sometime over the weekend, but this team is going to have to win every single game in order to keep uh, the, the, the streak of 40-plus uh, win seasons alive. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm also not saying... That it's impossible. Uh not, not impossible. No, I, I can tell you um, right
1: now, it's as much as I would love to see it happen, to win twenty consecutive games in the game of baseball next to impossible
0: and I, it's not like they have the hardest road ahead they do have games against virginia stetson which is always Florida's uh out of the way that's Flo- the yeah <laughs> 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 thankfully for a lot of uh, florida state fans florida is out of the way uh wake forest uh, always a, d- a danger to take a game or two pittsburgh jacksonville they've uh j- excuse me uh they lost the previous game uh, this year to Jacksonville and then to end the season, three games, um, all of them away at Louisville and Louisville that's is going to be their toughest. That's that's going to be the toughest challenge that they're going to have all season. And it's right before ACC championship. So the optimist in me is saying, well, at least they're going to have kind of playoff level. In baseball right before they head into ACC championships before they may uh, get the chance to go to Omaha but the other than uh, the pessimist in me is saying well they haven't beaten a lot of the teams that they should beaten. so who knows if they're going to get there Courtney I obviously this is your first time on the show so I don't really have a good a standing on where you feel about it but how are you feeling about the team at this point in the season knowing that there's a chance that this team might not even get there are you are you on the positive side of things or are you just kind of like oh well everything is going to heck in a handbasket?
4: I really want to see how this weekend goes i don't really have a decision until after i see if they continue the momentum or they let you know the hype of last week make them not play as well this weekend so i really don't know until once i see what they do in virginia
0: austin quickly before we go to uh halftime break here uh knowing that this virginia series is going to be on the road and knowing how florida state has performed on the road this season uh how does that weigh into how do you think how you think uh, florida state is going to rebound this weekend
2: I'm gonna echo a sentiment from one of the press conferences that I went to a couple days ago. Uh, Mike Martin says the team needs to just shut up shut up and play so I think <laughs> we've heard is, we've yeah,
0: heard that a couple times yeah <laughs> I,
2: I think that's very relevant for especially this coming series and the closing series against Louisville really any series from here on out because you can't take any team for granted but shutting up and playing seems to give seem to bear fruit for this weekend series against Clemson so if they keep up that that progress then I have high hopes
0: so we are about at the halfway point in the show, we are going to take about a 90-second break, and we'll have Luke Hazen with the time Honor Tradition, the Seminole segment uh, at the halfway point. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll see you after the break.
1: In a world...
5: Hello friends, and welcome to your Seminole segment. I'm your host Luke Hazen, and this is everything that you might have missed this weekend in the world of FSU athletics. The 29th ranked FSU men's tennis team won their final regular season match of the season against the 49th 49th ranked Duke Blue Devils Friday, besting them in a 4-3 final. After Duke secured the doubles point early on with a 6-4 and 6-3 decision, Florida State rallied back to tie the score at one apiece. After several matches of back-and-forth tennis, it was junior Ranarup Singh Bular, who had missed the last 10 matches before playing Friday, who ended up deciding this, uh, the match in a 2-1 set win over his opponent. Florida State will now have to retool and prepare for Duke once again, as they play the Blue Devils in the first round of the ACC tournament this coming weekend, with matches set to start at 11-30. And in women's tennis, the 12th-ranked Lady Knolls had yet another dominating performance against Louisville, a perfect ending to a beautiful senior day for the team. With their 7-0 win over the Cardinals, the Knolls now have 11 ACC wins this year, setting the mark for the most in program history. Seniors Anna Operinovich and Julia Mikulski led the way for the team as they were able to sweep their doubles and singles matches, including a three-set sweep for Mikulski. To cap off their senior day, the girls will now look towards the ACC tournament on Friday where they will wait whoever emerges from their bracket after the team secured a double round bye. Well, this has been a tennis-themed seminal segment for you all tonight. I'm your host, Luke Hazen, and you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
0: Luke, I don't know if it was the vibes of the song that we let you into, <laughs> but you just gave us the most calming intro to a seminal segment I have ever heard. That's some um, Mister Rogers neighborhood type of feels right there. Uh, how they never neighbor. felt more at home. Welcome. I have never. I, I. I mean, I was laughing, uh, which you know, Luke. I love you. It's nothing personal, but that was, I, It was so calm. It was. It felt. It felt really it felt good. Right at home. I, I felt. Was, I, yeah. I genuinely felt. Kind welcome. of like coming home to the family during Christmas times. Sure. Is that accurate yeah, enough? Yeah, I think yeah, so. That's accurate um
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a flight home for me
0: but a bit of a flight home so i mean a couple of hours of contemplation about no politics at the dinner table for you right, right. um <laughs> so on the other side of the break we were finishing up talking about uh, florida state baseball's <laughs> excellent weekend against Clemson tigers and uh, what that would mean for this upcoming series. Uh, I'm glad Luke talked about uh, women's tennis during his uh, seminal segment because I believe – I'm not quite sure if he said this or not. I was a little bit uh, occupied um, laughing um, (laughs) in this studio, but I believe this is the highest rank that women's tennis has been under the current uh, tenure of the coach uh, in the the AP poll. So tennis is uh, definitely one of the hotter sports on campus.
1: One of the things I've always said is is – women's women's athletics here at Florida State usually tends to pick up the slack. So. Absolutely.
0: Uh we're looking at you uh football. Uh n- <laughs> no no more slacking. Uh <laughs> So obviously one of the bigger events uh besides the Masters happening this past weekend was NBA basketball. NBA basketball finally uh the playoffs are here. I'm look, sure look, you're look enthused.
1: At the, look at the smile on Dakota's face right now. That's that's what makes me Well, happy. we spent a whole chunk of
0: Sunday <laughs> Uh, Or or was it Saturday? Saturday. It was Saturday Saturday. watching basketball. Um, Dakota's really happy. You're ruining the day that it actually happened to come. I like basketball. uh, I like sports besides (laughs) baseball, Nick. Goodness. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Um, So basically what we're going to do is we're just going to go through series by series or initial impressions of what we've seen from the players and the teams in that uh, and really kind of just give, I don't necessarily want to say a roadmap ahead because obviously there's a lot of basketball to be played over a long span of time, but... Um, just starting Give with the...
1: Brooklyn and or Orlando in the finals. Wow.
0: Oh boy. Well, I mean, that can't happen. <laughs> no, in, the, in uh, but the conference finals. In the conference finals, but um, that's a... No, that was, uh, that was a yeah, Emma, don't tweet that. Uh, <laughs> don't tweet that. Don't bring shame <laughs> to the station. Uh, <laughs> Warriors <laughs> Clippers. Chris, what did you see from the, that uh, the first game of that series?
1: Uh, well, I can already tell that it's an indication that Golden State is still probably going to make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Still probably going to make it to the nba finals i just don't know based on this past weekend i don't know that we've really seen another western contender outside of golden state you know i mean uh, okc did just fine against um why can i not remember who, I who OKC uh played? the Portland. the trailblazers yes the trailblazers uh, admittedly I, I did like what i saw out of them but again i, I still don't see another Western contender to compete against Golden State
0: yeah Courtney are you under that same mindset
4: yeah we're on the same we talked about this at the baseball game over the weekend we're on the same page I mean they look pretty unstoppable to me
0: even even with the uh, the play of uh, Montrose Harrell's which Dakota was raving about the entire time that we were watching (laughs) so I'm gonna give you some spotlight to talk about your boy but um, do you you think that the Clippers gonna be able to grab a game away from the Warriors in this series
3: as much as I love the hustle and heart, like <laughs> Harold brought to those boards, twenty-four and just points against the Warriors, just out there hustling when it, the rest of his team was just falling down around him, it seems like literally and figuratively at times. But I cannot give the Clippers a single game. Curry can see straight <laughs> that this man had a heat check from the logo with two people on him. 16 seconds left in the shot clock, and it was a two-on-four falling sideways and drained it. He's got an unlimited green light.
0: Now, uh, there there was a quote before that game started, or maybe it was the day before, that the, the Warriors were not worried about uh, the refereeing in this series, Austin, and uh, clearly they weren't because, at least while I was watching, I thought it was very one-sided towards Golden State. But um, do, you, do you see that one game being an indication of how the rest of the series is going to be called, Austin, or no?
2: Um, I, I really don't believe so. Um, refereeing in the NBA is very inconsistent from game to game. So, I mean, it's, well,
0: somebody it's, had to say it.
2: it. It's a coin toss, honestly. But with regard to the double ejection for Patrick Beverley and Kevin Durant, I mean, the, Kevin Durant didn't seem to take that harshly at all. He was laughing the whole way through. <laughs> the, the, because had,
0: there's four other all-stars on the team, exactly. Austin. They're,
2: I... they're just having fun in this first round. So, I, I mean... The, the refereeing is going to be a bigger obstacle than the Clippers, in my opinion, but I don't think it'll be enough.
0: To. Wow, that's a that's a bold statement right there. Uh, poor poor Clippers. Um, <laughs> moving on, Rockets and Jazz. This was one of the uh, one of the two pretty one sided games that uh, we had this weekend. Uh, just as a blanket statement, I was I was really kind of excited and impressed with how a lot of these games turned out a lot of them were extremely close and with exception to bucks and pistons and rockets and jazz chris it looks like we're going to have a very very nice nba playoffs but what did you think about rockets versus jazz
1: uh i mean you know james harden doing his usual (laughs) it's funny a buddy of mine is is an oklahoma city fan and we always just rip on how much we do not like james harden just because of his style of play and everything but I, I can
0: 100 percent get behind that me yeah. in the group chat chris <laughs> thank
1: you i appreciate that wow we agree on something in basketball That's, <laughs> yeah thank you
0: uh, yeah high five high five later uh,
1: <laughs> but no i uh, if anything i i don't see utah really getting much out of this except for that they need to <laughs> they've got some work to do for next year
0: yeah, I, I, I think the Jazz, if there was any team that kind of got snubbed by the team that they were given in this first round, I think it's Utah. I mean, when you think about the type of basketball that the Jazz are playing, it's very, I don't want necessarily want to say inside the paint kind of basketball, but obviously you have Rudy Gobert, who's a defensive player in the year candidate pretty much every single season. You take him out of the equation, which the Rockets do. They are a three-point shooting team, mostly isolation team. There's not exactly much that you can do at that point for him. Um how do you feel, Austin, about uh, James Harden and Chris Paul in, in this series? Obviously, <laughs> James Harden got a bulk of the questions uh, during uh, during that press conference. But do you feel like it's it's going to be a more evenly distributed kind of offense for uh, the Rockets in the playoffs now that they know that they have to play more as a team to be able to get through some of these games? Or do you think it's just going to be the James Harden show over and over again?
2: I believe it'll be more evenly distributed because Harden did have the insane, what was it, 30-plus games of 30-plus points. Mm -hmm. That's that's nice for the regular season, but even with a player as transcendental as James Harden, you can't rely on him to carry you through even a first-round series like this. So I think that Chris Paul... And the rest of the starting rotation is going to get get more action.
0: Now, Corneary, it's only it's only been one game, but we do have a, a decent sample size of what Harden does in the playoffs. Um, if if Chris Paul stays healthy, do you see Harden being able to overcome that kind of that mental leap of him having to just have the team by himself and having to have him lead this team through tougher games?
4: Um, I mean, I definitely think it'll help, but I think Harden's going to do what he does in the playoffs, and he's going to continue to put up big. Big, big time points. So you
0: think? So you think this is the year that he kind of gets over the hump and uh, really leads this team?
4: I think so. Yeah.
1: I th- right. think they need to watch out for uh, for Harden's back. You know, just from carrying the team, <laughs> the <whole> time, so. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> uh, off the injury list.
0: I'm gonna kind of throw you a similar question that Austin had last time, Dakota. Do you, how do you how do you see the Jazz um, rebounding off of this 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 first game loss? Do you see them taking a game? Do you see them taking two? Or do you think this is gonna be a sweep?
3: I think I think it's a gentleman sweep, I think they take a game but I believe it was less Harden just schooling them just being on fire and more by design because a lot of the times they force Gobert, he can, he can cover as much space as two people but he can't be in two places at once. He has to choose a lot of the times between either guarding the corner or guarding the lob and Harden had 10 assists on the night. Six of them went for dunks. The other four, three-pointers. There's all 10 assists. He may have only scored 29, but he was responsible for 53 of the points in under 33 minutes, and a lot of it was having to do with that making Gobert choose. And it, the Jazz really came in this game with a game plan similar to Milwaukee earlier in the season, that which worked pretty well during the regular season, forcing Harden to his opposite hand, his weak hand, and just repeatedly forcing him that specific direction, but letting him drive. And in this game, it it just did not work at all.
0: Yeah, I I, I tend to I tend to agree with you on that one, Dakota. So uh, moving on, this is this was one of my favorite games from this past week, and this is going to be one of my favorite series of the entire playoffs. I just. Absolutely love the matchup we have here with the Trailblazers and the Thunder. Obviously, Trailblazers uh, taking game one. Ennis Cantor having a monster game against his old team. I, th- I don't know. I think he was 18 rebounds. I'm not sure if he got another one in the closing minutes of that game, but um, 18 points, 18 rebounds, just doing the massive work. And at least for me, Chris, one of my major concerns for the Trailblazers entering this series was that, okay, well, the Trailblazers don't have Yusef Nurkic, and he was having his best season as a pro yet. Who's going to pick up the slack? And that person is apparently Enes Cantor. Do you see that Can to me, on in this next game, or do you think that the the Thunder are going to have a better game plan for him next com- next time around?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I, if the Thunder want to stay in this, they're going to have to account for can- for Cantor now, because I think he's shown that he's not going to he's not the secondary player. He's clearly stepped up. He's stepping into his role now as uh, Cantor. That is is stepping into his role as as someone who will dominate on the court. It doesn't matter if it's against his old team. Um, but concerning this game, honestly, the player that concerned me was Paul George. This is a guy that, I mean, has perennially been really good in the playoffs when he was with Indiana, but he went eight for twenty-four. He was off to a really, really slow start, and just the shooting for the Thunder beyond uh, in the opening minutes, they were cold from beyond the three, and and Portland just killed him. So it's it, it's really seeing how Paul how they factor in Paul George and and what adjustments he makes going forward. I think that can ultimately account for how the rest of the series is going to play out
0: so with that all being said austin and seeing that the trailblazers only won by five points and of course paul george didn't have his best night uh how does that make you feel about the rest of the series going forward do you think that the thunder are going to be able to put up much of a better fight or do you think that this score has no indication of how uh, maybe these teams would have matched up if paul george would have had a better night
2: I think it'll be a closer series than game one lets on because it was very lopsided early in the first half, almost a 40-point first quarter by the Blazers. And then even with the abysmal shooting from Paul George and some of the rest of the starters for OKC, they were able to make it a five-point game at the end. So I believe it could go six, even seven games. But I was watching the game with a Thunder fan, and every time that Paul George pulled up from deep and bricked a three, you could just hear a deep sigh from the (laughs) other end of the Discord call. It It was kind of disappointing, but I mean... If he is able to get out of this slump, then I think it'll be a much closer no, series. That's
1: funny, Austin. I, I did the same thing. Yeah, I me was, too. I was watching yep. with, with a buddy of mine that is a big OKC Thunder mm-hmm. fan, and every time it was either George or, or Westbrook would, would pull it for a three, just shouting, no, 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 don't do it. Sounds <laughs> right. too familiar. Yeah.
0: Too familiar. Raise their hands up, maybe do a little 3 indication, and as soon as they just bricked off, they just mm. slumped down on their couch. Yep. Uh, to the Trailblazers were eliminated the past two years in a row uh, by Sleeps, and obviously this isn't going to happen again this year, but um, what? how do you think the end of the series is going to play out? Do you think the Trailblazers are going to get their first series win in a couple years, or do you think the Thunder are going to uh, come back and move on?
4: You know, I did not watch this game, so I can't exactly say okay, I'm how glad. I feel about <laughs> it, but um, I do think that it, it will get into the Game six or Game seven, and it's going to be a close fight between the two teams.
0: If you had to pick one, just luck's chance. Who do you think's advancing?
4: The Trailblazers.
0: Trailblazers. All right, good, good guess, good guess. I mean, you, 50-50. So I mean, <laughs> it, you have to. It has to be a good guess uh, in that situation. All right. So uh, next, um, another kind of really. This is. I know I said that the Trailblazers and the Thunder were my matchup of this first round, something that I was extremely interested in. But Nuggets-Spurs are also another pretty interesting matchup for me. Just knowing how young... I mean, it's really the classic tale as old as time, Beauty and the Beast, uh, old versus young. Uh, Nuggets, the the surprise team, or at least if you're me, I thought they were going to be good the entire time, so pat on my back for me. But uh, Nuggets are the young team, Spurs are the old, old breed... Um, and, uh, I believe that the Spurs did take uh, game one. They did. So with that being said, what, what do you think is going to prevail? Chris, is this experienced Greg Popovich co- coach team going to, uh, move on? Or do you think the nuggets are going to get their, their playoff experience and continue to get that playoff experience?
1: No, I think this is going to come down to experience. I, th- I think pop has has been here enough times to know what to deal with. Um, nuggets, you know, they're, they weren't hidden from beyond the arc. Um, yeah, I, I see Greb, Greg Popovich taking the Spurs all the way to the next round in this one.
0: Now this is another situation, uh, Courtney, where like the the Trailblazers versus the Thunder, if one of the superstars had a better night, and I'm not uh, and I'm not saying that the Nuggets necessarily have a superstar because they're a very well constructed team with Jokic obviously being their best player, they don't have that that superstar. But if the Nuggets have better shooting nights moving forward, um, do you think that this series is going to get a little bit closer?
4: I'm a little biased because my dad's from Denver, okay. but I am pulling for the Nuggets. I, I am I, too. I, you know, we, and we, they also have Malik Beasley, FSU grad. So um, I'm pulling for the Nuggets, and I think that they're going to use this first game, learn from it, and go forward.
0: Uh, I also want to put out an APB on Paul Millsap because I would not want to show my face after he got probably, I don't know if that's the poster of the year uh, done on him, but uh, oh. Devin White just absolutely uh, destroyed that man. Um do you th- Austin do you consider this season no matter what and I know that I've asked that type of question like this to you before because we've talked a lot about um satisfaction when it comes to Florida State uh basketball season do you think that this season is a success for the Nuggets based on how young they are if they were to be eliminated in this first round
2: Absolutely not. I mean, this is a team that was challenging Golden State for the first seed in the West for the majority of the season and like The the Spurs are a very good team. Don't get me wrong. They're coached by arguably the greatest coach in the history of basketball. But a first-round exit, regardless of the circumstances, is not ideal for
0: these guys. You really don't think so? No, no. Even just making the playoffs?
2: You can't hang your hat on making the
0: playoffs. Um... I, I think I think yeah, I think any playoff experience at this point is good for the Nuggets, but that that's just me. Uh, Dakota, we were obviously this was another one of the games that we watched uh, over the weekend together, and you kept commenting, "Well, LaMarcus Aldridge is just not hitting his shots," um, and he was not hitting his shots. I'm not sure exactly what his final scoreline was. Um, but how important is it for the Spurs, especially if they get past the Nuggets in this first round? How important is it that he actually decides to show up and starts becoming that player that I think uh, Pop- Popovich and the Spurs thought he was going to be? Well, his
3: consistency is going to have to be very important. They've lost Leonard, they've lost Duncan the past few years. He is the most consistent force they have on that team right now. They even traded away Danny Green in the trade to Toronto, so he is definitely one of their more experienced one of their players. They rely more on. And I'm so glad you were preaching about Derek White earlier after he destroyed Paul That's Millsap. That's right, d-
0: Derek White. I said Devin um, out, of, out of habit. but He,
3: he was great that game, 16-5-3. And, and not only that, I believe his other signature play was even more important. He was the one who stole the ball from Jamal Murray at the very end of the game when the Nuggets were bringing it up down three. So un- we got another one of these pop players, d 2 coming up through that development system that they have in San Antonio, plugging and playing in, and being really well. He wasn't even supposed to start the year until they lost their point guard due to injury, and for these younger players, they're going to need to lean on Aldridge when it gets tough, when it gets to those Game 6s, Game 7s, because this will not be easy for a Spurs ranked as low as they are.
0: And then uh, moving on to the uh, the Eastern Conference. Um, Can we skip this game because well,
1: Milwaukee did not make that fair. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I, I don't know. I there, I mean there, we don't really have to go through. I don't I don't have to no, ask was, everybody a question on this one because it was really just. Uh, it was it was the game that I was like oh I know that this game is on let me let me check ESPN and see what the score is and just go. <laughs> like a a gigantic gasp of air and just see, yeah, I'm going to go back to watching baseball. I never thought I'd say that in my life. I'm so Um, proud of you, Nick. (laughs) uh, We're making progress here. If I
3: may say the Pistons left in a body bag.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, Blake Griffin was out of this game. That's not going to change much. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't – after, you know, what is it, maybe a year and a half with Pistons – with the Detroit Pistons now, I don't think it's a great fit for him. I think him and – Griffin and Drummond kind of step over each other's toes a little bit too much um, even though Griffin has developed a little bit of an outside jump shot it doesn't really matter uh, this is going to be I don't know if this is going to be the only sweep of the first round of the playoffs but this is definitely going to be a sweep for me if, Piston take, if the Pistons take a game I'm going to be extremely surprised Chris do you agree with that statement uh, it, does anybody disagree with that statement I'm getting head shakes all around they the co- would
3: need Rasheed Wallace to come walking out of that <laughs> at halftime
0: <laughs> Uh, with with a smoke machine and just the most angelic music playing, uh, the savior of the Detroit with that Pistons.
3: Half-time music that you had
0: going on. Oh, the halftime music! <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh, that w- that would be ideal. Um, uh, this is I, everybody seems to be in agreement. This is going to be a sweep. I do want to ask though. Comparatively, obviously, the both the both of the MVP candidates, or at least the front runners for the MVP this season, uh, Harden and Antetokounmpo, they both had or led their teams to gigantic blowouts. Courtney, which which win was more impressive for uh, either MVP candidates' case? It, it's a it's a it's a heavy loaded question.
1: I've, you're gonna have to come back
4: to me. Yeah, the go. Back. All right,
0: Chris, we're gonna go to you here. No,
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Giannis. I, th- I think. You know, Antetokounmpo has shown throughout the season just his style of play is so dominant. Granted, Harden has obviously shown that as much as I don't like his style of play, Harden's still a great player. But I think Giannis's wins have come at a more impressive rate. They've come with more impressive performances. Did y'all see Giannis fly from the three-point line? From the three. Point from line, the well, three well, well, from the from, from the free the, throw line. We'll but say, he but
0: started at the three-point right, line. Right.
1: Right. I just think watching Antetokounmpo is more fun. It's a lot less frustrating. Um, I, I definitely see uh, Giannis taking. Well, it I
0: risk. don't know. I don't know how much frustration plays into uh, no, it the, the MVP but... vote. But uh, I, I, I have to agree with but you. But I can
1: tell you, uh, the, Giannis's points don't come from the stripe.
0: No, they do not. Dorney, um, do you have a based on what Chris said? Do you have uh, any opinion either way?
4: Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean, I mean, they are really that close, though, so it's hard to swing either way.
4: And it's so early. I I like to see how you know players do. So in you're the so you're
0: you're you're a, you're a hot take procrastinator. Yes. I like to like to, I think I think that's a, a that's very a nice that's, that's a very a nice one. way of saying it. A hot take procrastinator. Uh, so Austin, are you a hot take procrastinator? I am
2: definitely not a hot take <laughs> procrastinator. <laughs> okay, let me hear it. As y'all are um, very well aware, um, just in regards to the question that you posed, or yeah. Um, I would say that Giannis's was def- definitely more impressive because he's a lot younger player. I mean, he's obviously, people are putting him on par with some of the greats that are older than him, but he's been able to take this Bucks team to great heights. First seed in the East, obviously, 60 wins. Um, and people will say that the Pistons kind of backed their way into the playoffs. They qualified on the last day of the regular season. But still, for him to put up the, the highlight-worthy performance that he did was, was inc- very impressive.
0: All right, and this is the, the next game, uh, or the next series, uh, Celtics Pacers. This is one that um, was kind of well. Obviously, it was extremely uh, low scoring. I think it was eighty four to seventy four. That's like a high scoring. Uh, that's a high, that's a high game. scoring college basketball game, and not there these two teams aren't. Well, they I guess I would say they are known at least at least a little bit for their defensive prowess, but they aren't the top 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 in the league. No,
1: but Boston definitely showed the defense, especially going starting the second half. They were able to limit Indiana to just eight points the entirety of that third quarter. I mean, that's really impressive to see the way that Boston stormed back. As a Lakers fan, that hurts me to say.
0: but Well, especially without Marcus Smart in this game, too.
1: Right. No, exactly. I, I think Boston show that you can't count them out just yet, even, even when they're down.
0: So do you think, uh, Courtney, that this is a sign that Boston has kind of figured it out now that they've kind of gotten their first playoff win?
1: I
4: definitely do. I definitely think that the Celtics are, are going to do well in this series
0: and austin uh, the pacers kind of that underrated under the radar kind of team in the in this in this year's playoffs and dakota you can weigh on this too do you think they're using that as any type of motivation i mean it's not exactly uh, across the headlines that this is the the dark horse team of, of the playoffs but they can really they can really mess somebody up if they need to
2: yeah. i don't know if it's like necessarily, necessarily like bulletin board material for them but ever since they lost victor oladipo people kind of counted them out from getting as, as high a seed as they did, so that's already an accomplishment for them. Um, but I think it's definitely in the back of the players' minds that they're not getting a lot of the national media coverage, they're getting counted out, e- even though the series may go to like six or seven games, they're, the Boston is the prevailing favorite to win this series. So I think that motivation from them could, could fuel them to a game or two, win, uh, a, ga- a win or two rather.
3: Hitting off of that depot injury, I fi- I feel the rallying more around that as they have throughout the entire season. It's been their year-long rallying point per se than being underrated in the media or that dark horse candidate. I believe the Oladipo injury and stats from this game where they just feel if uh, post-game their coach, McMillan, He said that they just felt like they lost control in that third quarter and that's on them and they really feel that from the way that i'm hearing the post game pressers and reports and quotes and such 1-4-14 from three-point land this that was a good defensive effort but the pacers are a very good three-point shooting team you can't expect them to go like that horrible, horrendous. Yeah, that, from three-point land that, every game.
0: That badly from three-point range. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. Since we're a little bit pressed on time, we're gonna group the last two series together: 76ers and Nets, Raptors and Magic. And, Arguably,
1: and, two of the most, two of the more interesting games that. Play
0: I out. am so excited that those, yes. that, that the Magic and the Nets won. Just as a lover of basketball. Um, <laughs> But if if you're on the other on the other side of the shtick, uh, 76ers, major concerns. Uh, Raptors, major concerns. I mean, Kawhi Leonard played his, his you-know-what off, and Kyle Lowry was just kind of like, you do you, bro. I'm just going <laughs> to over here. Um, I'm um, think one, on
2: the team. I yeah. think one Tyler <laughs> Phillips is going to be very, very happy about that Magic win.
0: Uh, I'm <laughs> going to hear it probably at least. Here, let's do an <laughs> over-under real quick. How many times am I going to hear about the Magic winning tonight, Chris? over under at five. Over-under at five? Okay, I think that's probably. <laughs> over. <laughs> o- over five? Over <laughs> five? Okay, over but five. I'm not
1: going to lie. That was a pretty exciting game. It
0: was gutsy. It was it, extremely correct. gutsy. And uh, the, he, he I give credit where credit's due. He's like, the Magic are going to give somebody trouble uh, in the playoffs. Now it just so happens that um, <laughs> they got We the Choke or We the North um, <laughs> all the way up in uh, Toronto um, that have never had good success Um postseason well even in first in first games of first uh of of the first round anyway two and 14
3: in game one
0: exactly so with that all being said uh obviously we're, we're grouping these two together very very quickly which team is more at threat to lose this series uh not saying that they will or they will not but which team is is at greater risk the 76ers or the raptors chris
1: uh give me the raptors i i definitely think orlando came to play uh always a lot of fun Watching uh, – this is a side note, but always fun watching a former Seminole play and Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I, Florida I, State
0: well-represented this year.
1: Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, I, I love seeing the way that Orlando – actually, you know what? In looking at the box scores, I'm going to change uh, my answer to Brooklyn. The first three quarters, they didn't score any less than 30 points in each quarter. I think Brooklyn has brought an offensive uh, front, and, and it's just something that I don't know that Philadelphia – has an answer for. At least they didn't show it in the first game. Um Embiid uh I, I mean obviously this is of major concern to Embiid and this and the Philadelphia fan base, but I think Philadelphia's at risk here.
0: Corny, you get the final word. What do you think? Who's that bigger risk?
4: I just watched, you know, uh the Heat destroy the 76ers. I think that they're they're struggling and I think that they're at the highest risk to lose.
0: Austin, Dakota, final words, final thoughts.
3: 76ers all day. and beads on one bag knee. You got Amir Johnson texting his girl about probably how Ben Simmons can't shoot a shot. Well, I'm I'm pretty
0: sure I'm pretty sure it had something to do with this kid, but we're just gonna ignore that really quickly. Uh, just go on.
2: Revisionist history. Um, I'm gonna join the crowd and say the 76ers. Just as much as I like rooting for them because Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players. Um, the, the they are. In a mess right now with the amir johnson texting and then ben ben simmons being very ineffective in game one jimmy butler's gonna have to score 40 every night if he wants to win this series
0: and i'm kind of gonna hop on that bandwagon and, and agree i mean there's just excuse me there's just something about the 76ers offense that is just not working which is extremely weird because they have probably one of the best starting fives in the entire nba uh probably second or third to golden state um. Uh, so I, I, if I had to rank, I think Golden State and then uh, Rockets and then uh, the 76ers. But they are in absolute trouble. I think the, Ra- the Raptors are going to get uh, some help eventually. I do think that it's going to go to six games in that series. I think the Magic are still going to give them a gigantic run for their money. But that is all the time we have for this uh, rendition of Hawk Talk. Thank you all so much for joining. Thank you so much for being here. For Chris, for Courtney, for Austin, for Dakota, my name is Nick Carlisle. You've been listening to Hawk Talk on WVFS. The Voice of Florida State. New release is up next